0: Hey, expats and travelers, welcome to this week's episode sponsored by WorldPost.io, the virtual mailbox service powered by Anytime Mailbox. We'll get to the features and benefits a little later.
1: If you're interested in becoming an expat, whether you're moving to Portugal or another overseas location, I highly recommend you get your finances in order before you move.
0: Yes, it's actually really important that you do it before you go.
1: I know when we first got started, we did not do it that way. But if we knew John McNurtney at Green Ocean Global we would have gone to him as he's someone that is Lisbon-based and he is experienced with expat financial challenges. So he's a go-to person that we recommend.
0: Right. He can help you with long-term investments, financial systems, and international taxes.
1: And he's actually helped us and producer Dan has used him to explore what it would be like to move abroad and see if it would fit his family's current financial situation.
0: I think what's great about him is that he gives you personalized plans. He will look into your unique situation and he'll help you out.
1: And this is honestly what's super necessary because we get tax questions and finance questions on the YouTube channel and literally no background from the person that's asking us the question. So now we've started to point people to John.
0: Right, because everyone is different and everyone has their own unique situation. So you need an expert to help you out.
1: All right, so visit greenoceanglobal.net for contact information and further assistance. Check out the show notes below.
2: Hello, and welcome, my emerging expat. You're tuned in to Let's Move to Portugal. I'm producer Dan, and I have the distinct honor of bringing you YouTube travelers and our resident Portugal experts, expats everywhere's Josh and Kaylee. Each week, they'll inspire, they'll educate, and they'll accompany you on your journey to Portuguese residency. This week on Let's Move to Portugal, join Kaylee as she chats with Hannah, a recent expat juggling the challenges and surprises of Portuguese life with her husband and their baby. Discover Hannah's hard-earned lessons about navigating healthcare and daycare in a new country and the resourcefulness needed to make the move work. They've got genuine insights and pragmatic tips that will prove invaluable if you're contemplating a move abroad, especially with a little bit. Hey Josh. Hey Kaylee.
0: Hey, hey Dan. Dan. Good to see you.
1: Good to see you too. How's it going, guys? It's going well. All things considered, apart from the housing project, it's going well.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh
1: oh. Well, what's going on with the housing project? Yeah, just um
0: everything typical is delays.
1: <laughs> typical delays. So, I mean, it's not even really full swing of the project. We're just trying to to actually purchase the place, but um. There were some some hiccups with the bank, and um, now we're at the point where we hope to have a closing date finally set, but it just feels like the days tick by, and nobody responds to emails, and it's frustrating. Right, right.
0: Typical Portuguese stuff.
1: But it's not dead in the water. It's not dead in the water, no. Well, good.
2: I'm glad to hear that. So yesterday, my sister lives nearby, and they've got some friends from France in town. Okay that when my brother-in-law was like 10, this was a foreign exchange student that stayed at his house. Oh, awesome. wow. Yeah, and they've kept in touch since then. And now he came with his, uh, uh, the French friend came with his uh, 15-year-old daughter and his wife to hang out with my sister's family and their kids. Uh, so we went and met them for dinner last night. But talking to my, uh, to my daughter yesterday, I was like, well, do you know what we're going to do tonight? And she's like, yeah, we're going to go see our cousins. And I said, "Do you know who else we're going to see?" And she goes, "We're going to see our French cousins." Oh, so now I have French cousins. Nice.
0: How sweet! (laughs) Right,
1: the international family. This is that thing where this is why we say that that living abroad transforms lives. Like there, there's just something that happens. There's a there's there are deeper connections made for for whatever reason. There are people that that I became friends with when living in the states that were foreigners that I still keep in touch with till today. And then also our friends like American friends that we've made abroad in every place that we've lived. We stay in touch with them a lot more than like our hometown friends.
0: Right. Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Yeah, but that's it is. Cool.
2: It's, it's pretty incredible. We've got a, uh, an Italian family from my family that stayed with us. The first one, when I was five years old, that wow. we're still friends with, we've stayed with them. They've got kids, similar in age to my sister's kids and mine, So really, really cool to keep those kinds of connections going, you know, multi-generationally now. Yeah, sure.
0: definitely. And it's yeah. easier now too, to keep them going with technology.
2: Yeah. And you have Italian right. cousins. <laughs> exactly. So what have you guys been up to this week other than trying to buy a house?
0: <laughs> that ongoing trying the, to buy a house.
1: Man, that's been the main thing. You know, like work-wise, we're just trying to put in better processes and stuff so that we can produce better content. And um, yeah, I mean, that's the main thing we're actually focused on is just like producing better content. How can we do that? And how can we reach more people with what we do?
0: Yep, the typical busyness. We are having an intern for the summer, so that'll be nice.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep, Uh, an American student that lives in uh, Holland. Oh, cool. She reached out to us and her parents live in Braga. So she's going to be in Braga for the summer and is into kind of medium production and wanted to get some experience. And she offered up her services. <laughs> and we were like, yeah. So yeah, we 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 have her coming on with us. So excited to, to work with her and see what skills she has and how she can help us best. So we should see an uptick at least maybe in the next 10 videos that will be a uh, better production quality.
0: <laughs> we'll see that for that one. And then, and then also we'll drop for... back
1: down to normal Josh and Kaylee level. <laughs>
0: But also for, for our you know, normal channel and then the x Ever Explores channel, yes. uh, she's going to help us with that one, too. So that'll be good.
2: Yeah, that's super cool. Uh, I'm excited to see uh, what comes out from that. Us, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's all going to be new to us. Awesome. Well, yeah, this week, Kaylee, you talked to Hannah. Hannah was really fun and had a great perspective as not only you know, a digital nomad, but also uh, as a parent and as a mom. How do you know her?
0: So we just connected through the channel. She reached out to us when they were planning on moving to Portugal, and she, you know, explains that she they were in Mexico and Korea, so they've been to different places, and they wanted to move to Portugal. So she watched us and and reached out for some assistance with certain things. And then now that they're here, um, you know, we're similar in age. We obviously have a similar lifestyle since we both have a young daughter. So they're just a fun family to hang out with, and and we've gotten to know them since they they live in Porto now.
1: Yeah, they started coming to meetups and really putting themselves out there, wanting to get to know other people, which can be challenging with a young kid. And you're trying to keep them on their, you know,
0: schedule, schedule. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There
1: are multiple schedules with young kids. Uh, For those that are parents out there, you know, you've got the sleep schedule and the food schedule.
0: And they're changing all (laughs) the time. Always changing,
1: throwing you curveballs. But, you know, for Hannah and Max, they did not have the smoothest landing. They had some challenges when they first arrived. And uh, man, these guys roll with the punches and the, you know, they're certainly their story's not finished. They're still having to
2: get Make used to life. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Get used to life here. And it'll be like that for several years, probably until they get their uh, kiddo in school. But
0: yeah, and we discussed that, like what, you know, what happened and, and what to do when certain crazy scenarios arise.
1: And these are things you can't really plan for. No, either. Really it's, it's like you need to be aware that these things could happen, but you can't really plan for it. It's like you don't know what you don't know. Right. But hopefully you, listener, will know a little more about what to expect.
0: (laughs) After uh, hearing their
1: story. After hearing their story. And we'll be back with Hannah right after this. WorldPost.io is powered by Anytime Mailbox, which means you can get your mail anytime, anywhere, even on your smartphone.
0: And they really have competitive pricing with their lowest package starting at $5 per month.
1: Here's a cool feature they have. WorldPost can relay things from the U.S. to Europe. So that includes documents.
0: (laughs) Amazon purchases. Amazon purchases.
1: (laughs) And you can get it to Portugal.
0: And they have a variety of packages. Some include secure shredding, free junk mail filters and things like that.
1: I bet you love that junk mail filter.
0: Oh, lots of junk mail. I sign up for a lot of newsletters.
1: She's not joking. So if you're interested in worldpost.io, you can visit the website or check the link in the show notes below.
0: Okay, let's talk about Lusitano Dreams because what they're offering is really great.
1: Yeah, it definitely is. And Dallas actually has grown Lusitano Dreams since we first met him. So he's really getting his process dialed in. The thing that I like about it is it removes the barrier and, and choke point of the proof of accommodation because that's been one of the biggest things that the D7 and the D8 for the, like the long-term people have had problems with, right?
0: Yeah, it's definitely something that is really hard to lock yourself into sight unseen. But here you can have a legitimate contract. You can rest assured that it's going to be a soft landing because you're coming into a furnished place in a good location, in a livable location, until you can kind of get your bearings and figure out where you really want to live.
1: And the cool thing about it is that they can start your lease when you arrive. So you're not like burning a few months of, of cash essentially paying for an apartment or paying for a lease that you're not using.
0: Yeah, that's one that's really hard to negotiate trying to get a lease that starts when you want to arrive and not when you are actually applying. So the fact that they offer that as a service to where you're not, like you said, burning those months saves you a lot of money.
1: Yep. Lusitano Dreams offers visa friendly proof of accommodation. So that could be for the D7 visa or the D8 visa. And their properties include detached houses, apartments, room rentals as well in different locations like Lisbon, Cascais, Lule, and they're expanding too. So uh, soon to be Porto and quite possibly Silver Coast.
0: Yeah, which is really exciting.
1: So check out Lusitano Dreams for more information. We have a link in the show notes below.
0: Well, Hannah, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm
3: doing good. How about you? Thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> I'm doing all right. So you've kind of recently moved to Portugal. How long have you been here?
3: It's been since October. So what is that? Like nine months, ten months?
0: Okay. Still under a year and uh you had a bit of a bumpy start. Yeah. Um,
3: so there were a few things going on. So we were moving here with our baby who was like five months old. So that in itself was challenging. And when we got here, we had our apartment, you know, ready as for the visa, you need the apartment before you arrive. Everything was great when we got there. The landlord was nice, like everything was under the right intentions, but the apartment just ended up not working out because they had kept it skilled for like 4 months So through the humid summer. Um and we had just thought that airing it out would make it like habitable, but with the baby there were like a few other smells and things that just kind of came up that we felt it was not safe for for her. So we ended up kind of going to an Airbnb and and moving actually a few times before we ended up where we are now. So that that was one of the challenges. Um, But we also had a few other ones that I'm sure we'll get it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so the main one at first was housing because you, you did a lot of your, your homework, your due diligence, and you found a great place that would work for you and your family. But then it was just odd. They, they closed everything up and you, when you arrived, it, it just smelled like mold and was stinky and stuff, Yeah, right? I was
3: overpowering. The furniture was super old. I think they were using it kind of as like a storage place for their mother's furniture. And, um... They had also like not stored the fridge properly. So there was like chemicals leaking from the appliances. That was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back.
0: Yeah. Okay. So for people who might be put in the same situation, how did you handle it? What did you do?
3: Well, I think my husband and I really balance each other out with that stuff. I'm definitely like a bulldog and he's more like, let's take a minute and see how we can like approach this the right way. Cause you know, we didn't know the culture yet. We didn't really know like the proper way to engage with people that was like professional, but also like making sure that we were protected. So we started by talking to them a few times and it was like very formal. But then when we realized that I wouldn't say that they didn't want to fix it. I think it was just more they didn't know how and they didn't know how to do it in a timeline that we needed to be able to like move in with our child. We just kind of said like, hey, this isn't going to work. You know, what are the next steps if, if we feel that we need to leave this apartment or, or get out of this lease? And um, we worked that out with uh, the the real estate agent. And there were a few bumps, like it wasn't so clean cut. But in the end, we did get like most of our money back for the situation and it was very overwhelming at the time, but in hindsight, I I think we did the best that we were able to do. So.
0: Now, would you have handled it the same way if it was just you and your husband and you didn't have a young child?
3: Yeah. I think actually with the baby is like more of like, I would have tried to tough it out because I didn't want to move. Like I wanted to be able to like settle her in right away. But yeah, I think either way, I think it was for both of us, it was just, too strong. So I think getting into the Airbnb was like the best that we could have done. Like we were still dealing with like baby sleep struggles and all that kind of stuff. So still very much like sleep deprived through all of this. So maybe like if it was just my husband and I, we would have been able to like take our time to think about our next move a little bit more, but I felt like we didn't have the time because I just wanted to get settled.
0: Yeah. And so you bounced around a little bit. Did that change anything or make you nervous for your appointment?
3: It did. Um, I was worried that like not having a lease or changing our lease and our address was going to impact it. I did actually email the officer, or I guess that's the word of the person that had helped us in Newark. She was the one that like did our application, and she said it would be totally fine. Don't worry about it. Um, I am someone (laughs) who tends to worry about things before they're actually problems, but I think having that email from her in writing gave me the peace of mind that it was okay to like move. So.
0: And what was your CEPH appointment like? Here in, in Portland? Yeah, the in-person one.
3: Yeah, so that was actually recent. So we were here quite a while before our appointment. I think overall, it was pretty straightforward. I think we had a lot of people here that we were able to talk to and, and find out what we needed to bring. And I think it does differ for each location and you know everyone's circumstance. I would say just just make sure you're like over-prepared for that appointment. It was it was difficult because it was right during Mika's nap, so that was very
0: of <laughs> it was course annoying. But you know, it's it's one hard day, and and you get through it. So, did they ask about the lease or say anything about the address change? No, not at all. They didn't at all. You just no. su- submitted a new lease, and that was good.
3: Yeah, new lease. That was like a little challenging too, like to get our lease when we moved into this new place. But uh, you know, we told them like the importance of having it, and we also went to the. Punta Freguesia. I don't know. If that's, yeah. yeah. So just having that, I think also was like, okay, we're good. So I, I, they didn't really spe- specify if it was required or not, but they, they took it. So
0: yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. Okay. So some people must've thought you were a bit crazy for moving to Portugal with, Mika was five months when you moved?
3: Yeah. She was five months old. Yeah, I mean, look, everyone thinks we're crazy because uh, we actually lived abroad for our entire adult lives. We've been abroad since 2013 and we had moved back like just before the pandemic started coincidentally. And Mika was born 2021. Um, At the time, we were like still debating, maybe we'll stay in the States and make it work. But we had always known that we were going to go abroad. So I think our families were like hoping that when she was born, we were going to stick around and we considered it. But at the end of the day, nobody was really shocked. Um, I think, I think my, my grandmother did say to me, like, why don't you wait another year, get through the first year and then go. And she always tends to be like, right about those kind of things. And I I always wonder like, yeah, maybe if we had waited a year, it wouldn't have like been so stressful, but.
0: Yeah. But you did. And you're here. So for our (laughs) listener, where else have you lived besides obviously now you're in Portugal, you're from the U S and you were there for a little bit. Where were you before that?
3: So we lived in Mexico for almost 4 years and before that South Korea. So it actually working backwards, we went to Korea after college. We were there for a year and a half, moved to Mexico for 6 months, then went back to Korea for like two almost 2 years and then back to Mexico up until right before the pandemic. So a lot of back and forth. So if anything they thought we were crazy. <laughs> they just back and forth
0: between yeah. two very different places. <laughs> yeah. So then why Portugal?
3: Well, we always wanted to move to Spain, actually. So that was that is our ultimate goal. Um, we had explored moving to Spain since like 2013, but there was always like a reason we couldn't move, like a financial reason or something like that. And then when we realized that Portugal had opened the D7 um, and we did the research, we realized like this would be like a great segue to getting to Spain. We still had spoken to Spanish lawyers and just to see how that transition would be. And at the end of the day, we like wanted to live in Europe. So, you know, being honest, like Portugal is not like, you know, our number one choice, but due to its proximity to Spain and being in Europe, like we really couldn't think of like a better place. And and now that we've been through this hard year, I'm like, I'm glad we made the choice. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So then, are you planning on leaving for Spain soon or has Portugal won your heart over a little bit? You'll stick around for a little longer?
3: (laughs) We are sticking around. So, Spain did announce like a digital nomad visa. So, we were looking into that. We still are. But when we realized what it was going to take to move, like it would have been like this summer, essentially, it was going to just be really, really hard with the baby, like we had, we have just finally like settled in. We know where she's going to daycare in the fall. And I'm like, have a break or like do this for one more year before we get that break again. And, and we ultimately
0: decided we, we
3: need to stick around. So in that sense, it has won our heart for sure.
0: <laughs> okay, great. So you came in on the D7, but you are a remote worker or a freelancer. So now with the shift, it would, it would most likely be like the D8, right? You were kind of right before that that new visa came out.
3: Yeah, it was funny actually when we applied for our visa, which which you helped us with, you and Josh, we were told at our appointment that like, oh hey, I don't know if this is gonna go through because the remote working visa is about to come out. And I was kind of surprised because I was like, it's it's so interesting what I do because I'm I'm a freelance writer, but I have my own business. So I'm able to kind of like utilize that in whatever way kind of made sense for the visa. And I was kind of looking for her to like, you know, guide us through it. Like if we had to change anything in our application, but at the end of the day, I think it's just kind of like you know, semantics, you know, yeah. um, but I think yeah. at this point it might've actually been harder because I'm not really a remote worker. So.
0: Yeah. yeah. So you got in at a good time. But yeah. now it seems like they, they're uh, they're getting a little better at processing those between the D7, D8, you know, remote worker and yeah. passive versus active. But you you were right in that spot where I think a lot of consulates, you know, weren't quite sure what it looked like. Yeah, yeah
3: which is also why I'm glad, like, we didn't wait a year to come because I wonder if that would have been more challenging for us.
0: hmm Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Okay. So we get a lot of families uh, that write us and ask questions about kids. And what was it like with the initial move? How were people uh, with babies in Portugal? Like what were your initial thoughts when you first moved and were experiencing the country?
3: I thought things were going to be a lot easier. I think due to our experience abroad, I had assumed like whatever challenges would come up, we would easily be able to like figure it out just to back up a bit, like, you know, we, we had the plan, we had to get her passport, all that stuff. Like we had this timeline already kind of set, you know, before she was even born. Um, And the reason we chose to come at five months was because they don't get any vaccines between four and six months. So I figured that would buy us enough time to figure that out. Just being like the worried parent I am, I was like, I really want to make sure that she's not missing any of her shots when we got here that was like so not the case. Like it was not easy at all. It was extremely difficult to navigate the public health system. Um, even though we knew what we had to do, it didn't work that way. And I remember someone telling me like the P for Portugal stands for patients. I don't know where I heard that, but <laughs> I was like, I think again in my mind, I was like, Well, I lived in Latin America, like I lived in Mexico. Like things are kinda laid back there too, you know, but so different. I mean, we were able to get our visa there in 30 days, you know, versus here, it takes months. So that patience, I mean, that, that's, it takes like five tries to get something done.
0: Okay. So you got here, Mika was around five months and you started looking for the public. Did you look into private healthcare or just yeah, the public?
3: That was actually like one of our first moves. So I, I don't remember the order of things exactly, but we did go to A hospital or several clinics or whatever to get a pediatrician to just administer the vaccine that she needed. But we were told that because it's like a public health thing, the vaccines have to be done. And there's some vaccines that are like not in their plan. So if it's not in the plan, I guess that can technically be done by a private physician. But ours uh, told us that they weren't able to do it. It had to be done in public, which also like just knowing that ahead of time we felt like the doctor we had seen like kind of gave us the runaround and, and just didn't like, wasn't just direct about it. So yeah, that's important to know too, because I feel like in the States you can just kind of like go to a private or, you know, go to a doctor and just like pay or any whatever. Of your, yeah.
0: Any of your pediatricians will have the vaccines yeah. in their offices. Right. And it's very different here.
3: Yeah. And even if you don't have insurance, like people, you know, sometimes will pay out of pocket if they have to or whatever, you might not be able to get it like urgent care or something like that, but yeah, it's not the case here. So um we we had to make sure we got into the public system before we got those vaccines.
0: Yeah, because you have to go to a specific place, right? So even though you go see a public doctor, they still send you to a specific yeah. place for the vaccines, right?
3: Yeah. And it's way more complex too. Like they, you know, like there's appointments that they make. One is a vaccine appointment, one is a doctor appointment. Like sometimes they're not on the same day or with the same person. So it's just a lot to really like understand.
0: And how is the level of English with the doctors you were working with?
3: So my husband speaks Spanish fluently, which is not Portuguese, but there are a lot of similarities. So like he'll go in and like, just kind of like start saying some things in Spanish, hoping the message will get across. I found that like, if there is a second language spoken, it's usually English. It's not Spanish. The first place that we tried to like register her that we went back to several times, like there was no English at all. Actually, I think, I think some of them uh, spoke more than they let on, which was like (laughs) a little bit Look, I don't like we're in Portugal. Like I don't expect anyone to like speak my language. Like I'm here. I need to speak theirs, but we just got here. So just, it was, it was hard, but uh, we lucked out because the health center that's now in our neighborhood, they, everyone there speaks English. So that's really nice.
0: Yeah. That's good for uh, our listeners to know. So how do you find a health center? or how did you find yours?
3: <laughs> Honestly, I, I don't even know. I think we we went to the one that was like in just on Google Maps, that was like in our proximity when we were staying at the Airbnb, but they had needed the lease in order to register us, but our lease was in Machesinos, which was not where we were anymore. So we went back to Matsinos to see if we could do it, but then they the whole thing is like you need to register on a certain day of the month and have certain paperwork and because we weren't residents yet that was like a whole other thing like we were told Mika's a baby so she'll be registered under a temporary SNS number no matter what so again like everyone tells you these things but actually getting it done is like a different story like everybody will tell you something different so we did end up utilizing uh, Serenity to help us uh, with the translation uh, when it came to like registering her because um, we had tried doing it ourselves and exhausted like all our options and we were like we really need help So So that's good to know
0: for our listener that you're pegged to your public doctor or your GP, uh, depending on where your lease is. So where you live, it's supposed to be kind of a neighborhood yeah. thing. So that's how you find, uh, and generally people kind of happen upon that because you just look in your proximity cause you don't want to go super far for a doctor anyway. So yeah. it works out that you find the doctor that you're supposed to land on, but getting your SNS or your health number, your utent, uh, and is another name for it could be really difficult. So Serenity, yeah. that's great that, um, they helped now that they help just get Mika's while you, before you guys got your residency, or were you guys able to get a temporary or you- Yeah. We still don't have our cards yet. So
3: we are still like, because I guess the temporary number is actually her number. It won't change from what we're told. I went to the doctor a few times and, and so this is like really important. So there's a, it's called a sporadic appointment. So that's like the verbiage that you need to use. So if you need to go to the health center, but you're not yet a resident and you're not registered, you have to ask for a sporadic appointment. You have to go at 8 AM when they open. And if they have time, they will put you in later in the day. We tried to do that for the vaccine, like ask for a sporadic vaccine appointment. That's just like not a thing. So in order to get the vaccine, they do need to be like registered. So that, that is like the, the first goal. So like if you need to get your child registered for vaccines, like that would be the first step. Like they need to be in the system before they can set a vaccine appointment. Mm-hmm. If the child just has like an ear infection and you want to get in, you can go again at eight o'clock in the morning to, to get an appointment for that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, and this is actually common practice even when you are a resident. If you need to get an appointment, like I've had to do yeah. this for Valencia. Like uh, one time she had, uh, you know, an eye thing and I had to get in and they're like, come tomorrow at eight. And then you try to get in and it's like, okay, now you have an appointment later today at four. And it's like, what? I have to come back with her. Can't you just yeah. check her eye <laughs> you know,
3: like, right like, now? It's frustrating. I think like for Mika, I usually just go to like, private or something. Cause I can like make an appointment or whatever. Um, there are a few times I take I took, I've taken her to the health center. Like once I figured everything out, but it's got its pros and cons, right? Like it's nice. Cause it's free and the doctors are very good, but it's also like, if you're dealing with like schedule issues with your baby or sleep routine, stuff like that, not ideal.
0: Yeah. It's really hard to get an appointment, especially like, you know, sporadically right on the fly uh, with the public. This is where our private is really good because you can get them in faster. Another hack too, that I found is you could go to one of the public hospitals. So for us in Porto, what's really nice is hospital Sao Joao has its own emergency room for kids,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: which is great. And they're great in there. And now it doesn't, you know, obviously that they will see emergencies first, but um, I've noticed when you go in there again, for like the eye thing, I I couldn't get an appointment for Valencia um, for a couple, days for that one. So I was like, I don't want her being out of school. She just needs a doctor's note to get back in to make sure it's not contagious, you know, little pink eye stuff. So I went there and they took a look. She's good. Here are drops. She can go back to school. Here's your letter. And boom, she was, you know, next day back at school. So I, and I noticed in there that there were other parents that had kids like, you know, the same thing. It wasn't a, a dire situation. It wasn't an emergency, but it's like, we need to see a doctor now. We clearly can't get into our GP. So they go there. So that seems to be like a common practice as well.
3: Yeah, I think like uh, urgent care is like the same thing here as like going to the emergency room. And you wouldn't think of doing that back home. Like you wouldn't think of going to the emergency room for an ear infection or something like that, unless it was like really, really bad. But
0: Yeah, right. You you think emergencies only, right? Like right. big things. Yeah. But that is something that you can do here. And a lot of hospitals,
3: like we go to Luciata's I don't know if i pronounced it correctly, but they actually have on their like site, like waiting time for urgent, care for like on their website you can see how long the wait time is which just tells you that you can bring them there for those those things so yeah and that's a private hospital right yeah so you'll pay more at that one also
0: but if you have private insurance too then you have access to that and that's why a lot of expats you know tend to tend to top up with private just to have access to that if yeah be.
3: it's a good like backup option i think
0: yeah definitely insurance though right yeah Okay, great. So earlier you mentioned sending Mika to daycare. So what was that experience like and was it public? Was it private?
3: Personally, like my husband and I had thought that our baby was going to stay with us till like she went to school. So a lot of that was just like being naive and having no idea like how hard that was going to be to be working and have her home. So we did have like um a babysitter help us like two days a week uh shortly after we got here and then we, we had heard that people have to like register their child like a year in advance for daycare. And I was like, well, that will be no problem because we're not even thinking about it yet. But, oh my God, that is like so true. Like if you have any, even if you're not sure if you're going to put your kid in daycare when you get here, like the following year, like I would say like plan for that or like put a deposit down somewhere. Cause, cause you'll have to wait a whole other year if you don't get your kid in somewhere. So we did find a place when we really needed help nearby. I guess it's like more of like a public one. I'm I'm not really sure, but it's, it's definitely more like Portuguese in that sense that a friend said that they do tend to have like openings year round. So we checked them out. Mika was nine months old at the time. They are a nice place. It just ended up not being a good fit for us uh, for a few reasons. One of them just being like, we felt like she was still too young. So we started asking around. So this was back in um, like February. We started asking our friends like where they send their kids and we went to a few places. And again, at the time, we still thought we would be in Spain like this year, but we did decide to just put a deposit down somewhere in case. And I'm so glad that we did because we are staying here another year. And had we waited, like we, you know, would have been SOL. So
0: yeah. yeah. So so then it's a private one, right? Because the public are yeah. hard to get into, but they are free for, for the little ones. But so it's a private Portuguese.
3: Yeah, I guess like I don't understand too much of like the private public thing with that. That was like a whole other thing to understand after we got through the vaccine situation. <laughs> but yeah, it is uh I guess it's it's a private one and
0: Yeah. But quite affordable, right? I mean, comparing yes. the prices to other places, the US, the UK put your baby in daycare or preschool is uh, quite affordable here right
3: yeah so our place is around like 320 i think it ranges between like three and 400 a month I, some of like the public places are are more affordable and it also depends like you know the structuring like some people charge less for like part-time or something like that or like if you're getting lunch or not getting lunch And that was another reason we were holding off on Spain because we looked at daycares there and it's the same type of thing. You have to like look at it like a year in advance and they're double the price over there. Okay. So that was, you know, a no brainer for us.
0: Yeah. That's good to know for people who are comparing Spain and and Portugal with kids. Now, here in Portugal, you have to, by the age of six, they have to be in actual school. So anything before that is considered, you know, they call it creche or daycare Mm -hmm. and then preschool, uh, which is optional. But by the age of six, then you have to be in actual school. So at that point, you have to decide if you're doing public or private or international. Uh, But before that, it's optional. And it it seems like it accommodates for working parents. So they have long hours if you want, or they have more like a school structure that um, the private seem to do kind of like different classes, whereas sometimes public can be a bit more open and free daycare style. But it seems like the private have like classes. Is your, the one that Mika's is going to go to in September, does it offer different classes?
3: From my understanding, yeah, they have like more of like a school type of structure. So parents can bring their kids in like any time of the day, but generally they start like around like nine or something, even though parents bring their kids in before. So that was nice to know too, because the one that she was in for like a week was definitely more of like the daycare style, which is fine. Like some parents need what they need, like need to do what they need to do. And I think the kids were like cared for. There was still structure. There was still like lunchtime and playtime and nap time and all that kind of stuff. But that also has a lot to do with like the age of the child. Like Mika will be close to 18 months when she starts school. So she'll be much more capable of like sticking to a, a routine, which was important for us as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. And have you thought when she's a little older, are you thinking public school, uh, whatever the school system is of the country you're in or private school? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure as moms, we've thought much. about it way in advance. <laughs> yeah, we've thought,
3: I mean, like, again, I think Max and I were like, kind of like hippie parents. So we were like, oh yeah, we're going to like just travel the world and do like, we have thought about like world schooling and some, you know, I think at this point, we kind of have to just now that we've been parents for one year, um, and understand that things don't always like go the way that you thought that they were going to be, so I think a lot of it will just like depend on what her personality is like and what she needs. And we do plan on kind of like doing, I would say, like a seven thirty ratio with like school and traveling. So I definitely don't like we don't feel that like at this point in her life, school is like the most important thing. Like we will definitely choose traveling over school, like. 100% of the time. Yeah, um, but that could change as she gets older and I think because we speak Spanish at home, we are inclined to like also look at public schools in Spain because like, you know, the language won't be like an issue for her. Whereas like in Portugal, I think if we were here, we would look at like a private school just because we'd want her to be like with English as like the primary language. So that has a lot to do with that as well. So yeah, no, we haven't really looked into it yet, but it is something that we'll have to do.
0: Yeah. Something that I'm sure you guys have thought about as parents do, but I have heard of the world schooling and actually there, there seems to be some really cool programs. They do different pop-ups in different cities Yes, that I've seen. And I've known actually people who have gone to those and uh, it seems like a really cool experience for the kids. Uh, maybe it can be a lot of work if you're, uh, you know, you're, you're also homeschooling as well. Because, you know, Josh and I used to be teachers and I'm thinking, I don't think yeah. I want to want to yeah. teach my kid. I think I want her away. I, she needs a social aspect of it as well. And uh, personality wise, it doesn't seem like it's for her, but that's great advice. You have to kind of see what the personality is of the kid and, and what where yeah. they will thrive. Because some kids thrive off of doing something more you know, on their own and they're self-motivated, but others need to be around other kids. And, oh, there's just all different types of kids. So it's hard to say. You got to kind of go in to, and explore different options of types of schools and then schools when you get here. Because even here, there's lots of, you know, there's a couple different international schools, but they are different. So I always tell parents, you have to go in and and check the school out yourself and see what fits for your family and for your child. Right.
3: Yeah. And I think like you said, like you and Josh were both teachers in international schools, Max and I did that as well for several years. So like, you know, like being in that system, like, you know, there, there are, I don't want to say there's problems. International schools are great, but it's a different like experience than like sending your kid to a regular, like public school district in the U S it's just different. and it's important to understand kind of like what, why it's different, right? Like you might have teachers that are only there for one year before they leave. So is that something that's going to bother you or, you know, so just, just like stuff like that. A lot of them are also working with like a lot of different curriculums. Like they're not just sticking to one they're They're using several, which like on paper is really great, but it's not always like implemented like the best way. So it depends what your own values are, like for your kid and, and what you want. And like right now for Mika, we want her to socialize. That's like our biggest reason for putting her in school. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely good for that age as well. They pick up so many things. I get amazed when Sia comes home and she knows uh, you know, how to do certain things or even just starting to write the numbers and everything, which we, we have stuff here and we play like that, but you just you see quick jumps where you're like, Wow, I th- feel like last week you couldn't do that or it was very crooked and now it's like you yeah. straight. So just Amazing. they practice that stuff there, you know. Uh, yeah. they it's good for them to be around kids their age because they they see the, you know, they mimic, right? So they see yeah that that and And for us, it's really great that Valencia is going to be learning the language at her age. So much easier for her than it is for us.
3: Yes. The kid will be translating for you. I know.
0: Well, Josh has made it his personal goal to not be that parent where like a piece of paper comes home and you have to have the kid read it for you. you (laughs) Yeah. 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 yeah, Staying ahead of her. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, initially you kind of were thinking of Portugal as not a bad way, but a stepping stone, right? Like a way to get into Europe um, while you figure things out. But it sounds like you're happy here. What are some things that you've really liked about being here that you didn't know about or that you didn't know you would like?
3: Yeah. So I think a lot of it does have to do with like the safety. I do think like every country has like, it's dangers. Like I, I want to be like transparent. I think people like think of Portugal as a very safe place and it is definitely one of the safest places I've ever been in. But like, that doesn't mean you don't watch your kid, right? Like at the playground, like you still have to be vigilant. And I I just want to make sure that people like are aware of that. But at the same time, like if I'm in a cafe and I trust like, you know, downstairs the person who runs the cafe and I need to leave Mika there for a second, to go to the bathroom. Like I've never actually done that before, but if I had to, I would feel okay with that. So it's just like knowing who's around. So yeah, I think for me, like the highlights are like how safe it is. Like our grocery store downstairs, like Mika is a celebrity. She's gotten four stuffed animals from the people that work at the grocery store, which is just so sweet. Like that would never happen back home. Like people don't care and people are really, really nice with babies here. They're respectful. You get priority when you go places, which is super nice. I love like the playgrounds at the rest stop. Like we do, we've done a lot of road trips and being able to like get out, stop to go to, you know, use the bathroom, but also she can play on the swing for a little bit. Like that's, that's really nice. Um, the malls have nice playgrounds and not playgrounds, what are they called?
0: Yeah. Play areas. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And the baby stores are all like collected in one area of the mall, which is great because I don't have to go to like this store and then go to the other side of the mall. I can just go in and get what I need. So in that aspect, I think like, uh, you know, Porto for us is like a very small city. Like we want to be in a bigger city, but for her age right now, it has been so easy and so convenient. Like everything is at our fingertips and that would be very challenging right now if we were in a bigger city or like a, a bigger country, I guess. So. Yeah.
0: Well, let's touch on that because um, people do ask about especially sometimes if they're looking for a bigger city. So Porto feels like a small city to you.
3: Yeah. So, you know, my husband and I were from New York, New Jersey area. Like New York City is like, you know, a city that I was comfortable going into when I was like 14 years old. So for us, Porto feels like like a big town, I guess you know, it's not something that we want forever. Like ultimately we plan to move to a bigger city. We lived in Mexico city. We lived in Seoul. Like these are the biggest cities in the world. So, but I did always want to like experience living in like a smaller city. And now that I'm doing it, I'm like, okay. Like I see why people like it. Like I see the point of it. So.
0: Yeah. But you still feel like after living in a smaller city that you, that you prefer and feel more comfortable in a big city.
3: Yeah. And I think, I think the timing will work out because like for us right now, like I think staying in Porto is good because like, she's still so little, we might want to have another baby. So like just having everything within, in, within immediate reach is, is really nice. But yeah, I think eventually like when Mika's is older, or, like our kids are older, like we'll want to be in a bigger city to just like have like access to like a lot of different things
0: okay, another baby. So you're, you're ready to navigate the healthcare system and the hospitals with a baby. Yeah. Not <laughs> yet. I
3: mean, we're so no, I'm not, but we're, we're debating, like, you know, we want to have kids close in age. So we're like, you know, that's another thing with moving, right? Like, do you just have the baby where you're comfortable right now? Or do you move first, get settled in and then have a baby? That is something we're like thinking about. Like, for me, I'd rather be in, A country where I can like really understand what's happening to me (laughs) but (laughs) I also like I know people who have had kids in Portugal and like they've had great experiences some have had not so great experiences but that can also happen like back home so that's another thing where I'm like okay like I have time now I can like kind of understand how that's gonna look you know
0: yeah yeah kind of learn the ropes a little bit before it happens to you yeah (laughs) Yeah, or well, we uh, had a friend who who moved here and she was pregnant, and then she went to labor early, and they weren't here for very long, so she kind of had to navigate. And they had two other kids, so the husband, you know, it was like the middle of the night. The husband couldn't go with her, so she had to kind of navigate that on her own. So, uh, you know, those emergency situations that you kind of just you, you got to deal with it, you know. Yeah, <laughs> nothing else and you I, can do. <laughs> I always knew,
3: like because we were abroad for so many years that I wanted to have like my first child in the United States so that I could really like just understand because I'm a very like anxious person and so you know I did that so I feel like now that would be like my second kid I would be like a little more comfortable I guess having my child abroad so and there's also like perks with like your child becomes a citizen what like right away if you've been here a year or something like that like we're still trying to figure that out but that might also help us with our Spanish situation so yeah
0: yeah That's good. Well, at Expats Everywhere, we believe that living abroad transforms life. So how has living abroad transformed your life? And how do you think it will transform your daughter's life?
3: Well, first of all, like my, my career, like being a freelancer, like I really think it would be difficult for me to live the lifestyle that I want to live back home just due to like, I don't think our country is like set up for that type of thing. So being abroad has transformed us because we're allowed to like have the time we want to spend with each other as a family like family comes first traveling lifestyle all that stuff comes first and I think for Mika like I mean this will be her home right like for her it won't really be like abroad but she will know that like mom and dad don't come from here so I think even like at school she'll probably have a lot of like Portuguese friends which is great I think also like I love that you know your guys's meetups when Mika gets to play with like other expat kids like I kind of always envisioned that for her and now seeing that play out, I just think it's like so cool because like she'll, all these kids are going to share like a bond with each other that like other kids just like might not understand as much. And I think it'll be something that will shape who she is as a person.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Well, Hannah, thanks so much for joining us today.
3: Yeah. Thanks for having me. (laughs)
1: So, listener, we know that you are preparing to move to Portugal.
0: We did everything ourselves for the D7 visa. So we have a DIY D7 course. We also have a DIY remote worker course now since they've split those up.
1: And if you're already here, we have a living in Portugal course for you. Now, the difference between the D7 and the D8 or the digital nomad visa course that you could get is if you have active income, you should be getting the digital nomad or D8 course. If you have passive income you should be getting the D7 course. And we have a special promotion for anybody that is a listener of this podcast. If you type in podcast at checkout, you will get $15 off.
0: So these will just guide you through exactly what you need. They stay up to date as things change. And once you purchase it, it's yours for life. So if you're not ready to go now, you can still get it and take a look and you can use it later on.
1: And Kaylee is a mad lady and she is always updating the course. So that it doesn't fall out of date.
0: Well, I have to because they're always changing things and so it has to stay up to date. That's facts. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Let's Move to Portugal contact info for all the services mentioned are in the show notes. If you like the show, please subscribe. If you love the show, please tell a friend, connect with us on our socials, and if you want to help us out, give us a review on your podcast player. Expats Everywhere presents Let's Move to Portugal is produced by Time or Money Productions.
1: Expats Everywhere researches our guests and we do our best to provide factual and relevant information at the time of the recording. Despite our best efforts, we can make no guarantees as to the accuracy of what you've heard in this episode. We highly recommend that you do your own research and check your own facts.